is rolling now. All right. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Plains on the Prairie podcast. I'm Max. I'm Sam. And today we are going to be talking about Cold War interceptors, specifically in North Dakota. Uh, so without further ado, we're going to get started. Um, so the first group that we're going to be talking about is the 18th Fighter Interceptor Squadron that was based at Grand Forks. So, or Grand Forks Air Force Base. So um, just a brief overview. I know many of Sam's friends are from, or at least go to school in Grand Forks. Um, but just a quick rundown on the actual Air Force Base that's there. Um, it was originally built from 1955 until 1957 and was built for Air Defense Command, which is ADC for short. Um, the first group that was assigned to Grand Forks Air Force Base was the 478th Fighter Group Air Defense. Um, they were placed under the 31st Air Division, which uh, if we were paying attention during a previous episode, we brought up about the uh, Happy Hooligans and it, it encompassed, um, I believe, both the Dakotas, Minnesota, Iowa, and Kansas. It was one of the larger of the air divisions before they were um, disbanded in the 1960s. Um, so it was interesting. The 478th Fighter Group didn't actually have fighter jets under them. It was just a group in name, but there was nothing there. Um, when they were eventually disbanded in 1960, they were replaced by the brand new 18th Fighter Interceptor Squadron, which is the one we're going to be talking about today. So the 18th Fighter Interceptor Squadron can trace its lineage back to 1940, where it was a pursuit squadron with uh, on the American West Coast. Um, during the war, they actually fought primarily in the Aleutian Islands during the Alaskan campaign. Um, they actually stayed in Alaska until they were deactivated in 1946. Um, in 1952, they were reactivated under ADC and stationed actually in Minneapolis. Um, there they flew the F-86A Sabres. Um, and since the A versions were only fair weather uh, day fighters, um, they were kind of limited in the event of, let's say, in, in an invasion, which at, during the 1950s was a serious threat. Um, so their main task was guarding the upper Great Lakes region. Um, if you know, uh, the Air Guard units at the time were only equipped with P-51 or F-51 Mustangs. So F-51 Mustangs against Tupolev Tu-4, the B-29 clone bombers, um, wouldn't be of much damage, I uh, I think. So, yeah, they were um, stationed there. And then they were actually, in 1952, um, transitioned to the F-89D Scorpion and then reassigned to LAD Air Force Base in Fairbanks, Alaska, as part of Alaskan Air Command, or AAD. Um, in 1957, they returned to the continental United States and flew the F-102A Delta Daggers out of Wurtsmith Air Force Base in Michigan. Um, right on the, uh, I believe, west coast of Lake Superior, one of the lakes out there. Um, and then finally, in 1960, the 18th Fighter Interceptor Squadron moved to Grand Forks Air Force Base, where they would call home for the next 11 years, flying the McDonnell F-101B Voodoo Interceptor. So um, we'll talk about a little bit, um, we'll talk a little bit about the F-101 Um right now um as i've mentioned in the past it's one of my actually probably my favorite cold war interceptor um sam do you have any comments on the f-101 yeah the f-101 was uh like you said uh, an interceptor it uh it was actually it was a supersonic air, uh interceptor that uh was powered by the pratt and ej-57 one of the uh more widely used engines during that uh time period there in the 
mid fifties to late sixties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, they were kind of, uh, they're, they're, they're one of the, they're the staple of, of the U S air force at that time, you know, that they're transitioning from, from the sabers and, uh, at that, at the time of its inter- introduction. And then it kind of, I don't know if I would call it a stopgap, but mm-hmm. it, it kind of stopgap if you want to, for lack of better terms in between the F-86 and all the way to the F-4 really. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause there were the, like I mentioned, the uh, F-102s, um, they were flown, the F-89s. Um, none of those really kind of, I mean, pun intended, they never really took off or got off the ground. I know the F-102, was plagued by mechanical issues earlier right, yep. on um, the F-89 while very heavily armed and nuclear capable, it was slow right? and it couldn't meet the inter- true interceptor role of being quick enough to get to these Soviet or more than likely Soviet bomber formations that would be going up against um, to take them down. And the F-101, like you said, was a supersonic interceptor. It, it had that capability. Um, I know of, I believe actually the original F-101As were single seats. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as then I believe they were original, the F-101As were built to escort the B-36 Hustler, not Hustlers. Um, Peacemaker. Peace. Thank you. Sorry about that. The Peacemakers on their missions, if they ever had to attack the Soviet Union. Um, but no, I mean, like we were saying, the F-101B included upgraded avionics, um, interceptor capabilities, um, or well, radar capabilities, I should say. Um, it also should be mentioned that the F-101 was capable of working alongside semi-automatic ground environments or SAGE systems. Um, for those that are unaware, the SAGE systems um, were these massive, absolutely massive supercomputers at um, specific uh, air defense bases throughout the country, specifically in the Midwest, and I believe one or two in Canada, um, that would link with Air Force and eventual FAA general surveillance radar stations and became a centralized program, um, similar to what I believe um, NORAD might have today, where we detect any incoming aircraft. SAGE was like the grandfather of that. Um, I found out that the one that was at Grand Forks was specifically the DC 11 center. Um, I believe it was there from when it was built in 1960 until it was eventually torn down in 2003. But if you know anything about the Sage program, it was very expensive Mm -hmm. and not very, I mean, there was, it was hardly used. Um, I mean, the thought behind it was obviously it, it will detect Soviet bombers or air incoming aircraft or missiles very early on. But as the Cold War kind of panned out into the early 60s and mid 60s, I'd say it was no longer needed. So all the buildings were either torn down or just relegated to other tasks like the one at Grand Forks was. Um, but yeah, um, anything else on the 101? No, I think... Uh... I think we'll be uh, covering a lot in the future too. So, so yeah, I think, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I think people listening this will listening to this will will get a little, maybe even a little tired of it. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you don't like the F one hundred and one or hate it after this podcast, I don't think we've been doing our jobs right. <laughs> so, um, the eighteenth fighter interceptor squadron was eventually inactivated in April nineteen seventy one during the ADC drawdown. Um, during the nineteen seventies, you had competing interceptor roles. You had the F-106 that had been coming into service. Um, I don't believe the F-4s 
were quite in the interceptor role yet. I believe that it was still the voodoo's task. Mm-hmm. Um, however, a lot of the 18th, 18th fighter and well, I'll, I'll go this or say this before I go forward. The uh, 18th fighter interceptor squadron, their mascot was the blue Fox or the blue foxes. Um, their image is basically a blue th- fox throwing a trident out of the sky so uh, i'll just refer to the 18th as the blue foxes from now on um so i'm going to share my screen real quick and i'll show you what an 18th fighter interceptor squadron or a blue fox voodoo used to look like so let me just go here oh uh sam can i have permission please oh yeah yep (laughs) i don't know why it doesn't stick like that there you go all right Please ask the host to give you permission to record. Oh, I'm clicking the wrong button. All right. Whoops. <laughs> so here is one of the Blue Fox voodoos, as you can see. Um, 580338. Um, I don't think we've quite gone over the numbering system, uh, but just quick rundown. Um Eight is the last digit of the year that it was ordered. So this one would would have been ordered in the fiscal year 1958. And then 0338 is the construction number. Um, So the blue fox voodoos can be easily distinguished from this blue arrow that they have on their tail, as well as the blue fox throwing the trident. Um, Other than that, a very, I'd say, simple F-101 marking. very similar to what most voodoos looked like in the 1960s. Um, they had specific unit markings, but other than that, especially in the nose, maybe a extra um, a nose art or two, but for the most part, they were all very simple um, just to, you know, keep things organized. So, yeah. Um, it should be noted that a lot of these former um, Blue Fox voodoos were actually sent to Air National Guard units. Um, in my research, I found, I believe, six went to Oregon, four actually just went about an hour south to Fargo, and one, actually two, were given to Canada, where they flew with um, demonstration teams. So, yeah. Um, do I have anything else? No, nope, that covers it for the uh, 18th Fighter Inter- Interceptor Squadron. Um, up next... We're talking about the 5th Fighter Interceptor Squadron out of Minot Air Force Base. So similar to Grand Forks, I'm just going to give you a little rundown here. Uh, Minot Air Force Base was built in 1956 and 1957 and has been open ever since. Um, Like Grand Forks, it was originally built for Air Defense Command. Um, Originally stationed at Minot was the 433rd Fighter Interceptor Squadron of the 32nd Fighter Group. However, much like Grand Forks, there were no aircraft at Minot. So it was just kind of a empty runway for about a year until um, the 433rd was deactivated in January, 1958. So in 1960, um, they were replaced by the 5th Fighter Interceptor Squadron, which had just come from Suffolk County Air Force Base in New York. Um, Out there, they had been flying F-102s, um, the Delta Daggers, and they actually had made several intercepts at the time, which was, I believe they, it was during a deployment to Greenland that they made those intercepts. Um, so quite, I wouldn't say quite the change, you know, giving that Greenland and Iceland get, get pretty cold. Um, but no, North Dakota was a whole new ball game for them. 
Um, when they arrived in Minot in 1960, they were equipped with the brand new F-106A Delta darts. Um, if you want to talk about a little bit about the Delta darts, um, just real quick. Yeah, so uh, Convair F-106 Delta dart was a uh, an all-weather interceptor for the Air Force. It was uh, developed in the 60s and actually served all the way up through uh, 19, the late 1980s with the Air National Guard. And uh, fun fact, they're actually still serving with NASA, like under the NASA test program all the way up until 1998. And this was designed to be the all-weather interceptor uh, for the U.S. Air Force, or the, the all, ultimate all-weather interceptor. So, uh, and I guess it was ultimate because it was ultimately the last dedicated interceptor that the Air Force uh, had in its arsenal since i mean we haven't had a dedicated aircraft really that's that's hit the lines in a while a lot of aircraft nowadays are are multi-role so mm -hmm. uh yeah and then uh based uh, a lot off of the f-102 we'll, we'll kind of go into some of the designs of the f-102 once we talk about uh the hooligan 102s but uh that uh just from the delta shape wing that's the most distinctive part of it um, and then Max, if you have any pictures of, of yes, that actually. we can run through, let me, um, share my screen. But yeah. Only, uh, only about 350 were built. And, uh, I mean, this was kind of in the lull of the cold war, really. I mean, we did have the Vietnam war, but interceptions weren't as, as common during Vietnam. Um, you know, they're mostly offensive type campaigns like rolling thunder, so uh, we weren't seeing that much use out of the 106s then. So they, they kind of stayed on the home front for the most part. Mm -hmm. It should be noted that the F-106 actually never saw any combat. It was never sent to Vietnam. It never was involved. In, well, it was retired by the time Gulf War rolled around with the Air Force or Air National Guard. Um, but no, it actually never flew any combat missions. Just was a straight interceptor. And like you said, it was... The, ultimately the last and since it was the fully dedicated one um we'll take a look at the f-102 um after with the, the hooligans but just a quick note if you ever have to distinguish between the 102 or the the six as it was called um the air intake on the jet is actually further back um just a quick little teaser here's the hooligan one much closer Oh, I don't know why that keeps getting in the way. It's annoying. <laughs> and then the air take on the back. So they might look the same, and they, they definitely do, but just look for those two little differences, as well as, obviously, the tail. And I believe the um, 106 is much longer. But, yeah. Anything else to add, well, Sam? No, that was a good take on that. Uh, good. All right, so um, like Sam said, they uh, they flew the the six until 1980, I believe 84. Actually, no, 85. Um, they flew the six until 1985. However, in 1984, they started to receive the new McDonnell Douglas F-15A Eagle. Um, they kind of worked hand in hand um, during that time. However, it was obvious that the writing was on the wall for the uh, the six. 
1985, they were all um, sent to the boneyard. I don't believe any of um, Minot's sixes became NASA birds. I think NASA specifically got their own, if I remember correctly. Um, I could be wrong on that, however. Um, however, the eagles were not around in Minot for very long. Um, in 1988, the 5th Fighter Interceptor Squadron was deactivated. Um, there was no more um, Fighter Interceptor Squadron in Minot. However, it was replaced by a bomb group, which is still there today. Um, as well as a nuclear missile wing. Um, however, uh, the 5th Fighter Interceptor Squadron has been reactivated in a sense, kind of as a historic unit. Um, they are a training wing down at Vance Air Force Base. Um, I believe that is in either Oklahoma or Texas. Um, not very familiar with my training wings, unfortunately, but that's why we're doing the podcast, to learn. Um, Ultra, also interesting, whereas um, the Blue Foxes, they had their nickname of the Blue Foxes. Um, the 5th Fighter Interceptor Squadron was nicknamed the Spittin' Kittens. Um, if you're into military history, like me and Sam are, you'll probably know that that came from two uh, Canadian lynx kittens that were given to the wing as um, mascots by a local farmer after, uh, I believe the farmer had killed their mom. Um, I believe their names were uh, Delta and Dart, or it, it was the names of the aircraft that they were flying. <laughs> so I always thought that was pretty interesting. Um, they were eventually, after the fifth was um, deactivated, they were given to a local zoo. And the zoo was one of the only, if not the only, in the United States that was able to have lynx offspring born in captivity. <laughs> um, very interesting fact. And another reason why mascots in the air force are much needed to help <laughs> big cat populations throughout the world. Um, so yeah, uh, we can move on to our final interceptor group. Um, oh, actually one more thing. Um, I have this written down on the last page of my notes. Um, during the Cuban missile crisis in 1962, the uh, fifth fighter interceptor squadron had mobilized one third of its six fleet and actually had them deployed to Hector airport here in Fargo with nuclear tipped missiles where they stood on guard in the event, um, in the event of a Soviet nuclear invasion or attack from the North pole um, where they were there for the duration of the entire conflict. And after they, they were done, they returned back. Um, I've been looking for any pictures. Um, if anyone has family that were hooligans or in the fifth fighter interceptor squadron, they have uh, hooligan and uh, 106s together. I would love to see them. Those would be definitely worth taking note of, but I actually, I don't believe that they ever stayed on the same side of the airport. I could be wrong, however, but yeah. Um, yeah. All right. We're good on that part. So um, coming to our last and my personal favorite as evidenced by our previous episode, um, we are gonna be talking about the 178th Fighter Interceptor Squadron, the 119th Fighter Wing of the Fargo or North Dakota Air National Guard. So as always, uh, just a quick rundown of the Fargo Air National Guard base. It was built in 1947 and it's the oldest Air Force base or installation here in North Dakota, yet it is also the smallest. Um, the Happy Hooligans, um, that was their nickname from the 1950s going on. Um, I'm gonna kind of keep their history a little low because we have a whole podcast episode dedicated to that. Um, but as mentioned, they flew from 
the early 50s, they flew the F-51 Mustang, F-94 Starfire, the F-89 Scorpion, and from 1966 until 1968, they flew the F-102 Delta Dagger. So that's the aircraft that um, we're going to talk about for the hooligans. Um, as we mentioned earlier, we showed kind of pictures. Uh, Sam, do you have anything to add? Yeah, um, Delta Dagger was uh, was designed to be supersonic, but initially in the uh, in the uh, testing of of the aircraft, they couldn't get it past transonic flight, which is about uh, Mach 0.75 to Mach 1.2. They couldn't really get it out of that range, and that's for those of you familiar with aerodynamics, uh, it's it's a very hazardous range to be in. Uh, you experience a lot of adverse adverse aerodynamic effects at that speed. Um, but without getting too much into that, uh, I was struggling to find a picture of it, but I found one here. Um, the YF-102, I'm just going to share my screen here. Yeah. Um, so. I uh, have to stop sharing my uh, No, no, we're good. Um, so here's just a small picture here, but the YF-102 kind of looks a little stubbier, if you notice, uh, as compared to uh, other ones. Um so if we go back to here, here's the, uh, a production 102. Um, you can see there's a kind of a, a Coke bottle. They call it the Coke bottle shape here. So it's it's kind of curved. And that uh, keeps the wing at the same span throughout the entire time. If you notice how or like, if you notice how the wing kind of stays uniform, whereas on the, on the 102, it kind of is more rigid. It doesn't follow the contours as well. And uh, this, this one change in the fuselage here allowed it to uh, achieve supersonic flight. So that's a little fun fact on that. Because you had to do a, a project on that, right? Yeah, and in one of my aerodynamics classes, we we covered that for about a whole class day. And it was really interesting to watch some, some of the aspects of, you know, just kind of putting uh, aerodynamics to these aircraft we talked about. It's really interesting too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, like we have talked about in the past, I'm not very good with aerodynamics at all or the whole <laughs> scientific. I think when an airplane gets in the sky, it's magic. Um, but no, no, it's very, very interesting. Um, so yeah, um, they had the F-102 from 1966 to 1968. Um, they never, actually, they're, they're, uh, that picture that I showed earlier, um, I'll just go back to sharing that. That was during their deployment to Alaska. Um, they provided um, air cover out there for the Alaskan Air Command um, for, I believe, one year, 1967 or 68. I believe, like we had mentioned, the 102s did not stay in uh, Fargo very long. Um, air Defense Command had another F-102 unit in the area, the uh, 178th Fighter Group in or the 178th Fighter Squadron in Duluth was flying the 102s at the time. So they believed that they did not need two. In that sense, the um, F-101B replaced it in 1969. Um, so yeah, that is the Hooligan F-102 Delta Dagger. Um, so going on, um, they were eventually flying the F-101B and then the F-4D, which they flew from 1977 until 1990. Um, in 1986, the Hooligans became the first Air National Guard unit to assume the Zulu alert mission at Ramstein Air Force Base in West Germany. That was huge for uh, Air National Guard unit to be tasked with such an important job within NATO. Um, it is interesting. Uh, Daryl Schroeder, who was a member of the Fargo Air Museum staff, um, very big contributor there. I know... Um, 
he had passed away last year, he was actually the chief instrument behind uh, Operation Creek Claxon, which was that operation of having Air National Guard units, I believe from California, Minnesota, and North Dakota, all assume that Zulu alert mission. Um, I found that out pretty recently and I was like, oh, wow, that's, it's incredible to think. So, um, yeah. Um, there was also a hooligan deployment in um, 1983 at Naval Air Station Kefalovic. Oh, I butchered that pronunciation. Sorry to our Icelandic viewers. Um, during this deployment, the hooligans intercepted eight Soviet Tupolev Tu-95 Bear bombers. Um, there are several images out there of uh, hooligan aircraft flying alongside those Russian bombers, and they're uh, very impressive. I know when I uh, I did a tour of the base last year, and um, in their uh, bar that they have, they, they call it the Augur Inn, um, those pictures are all over the wall. They take great pride in having those displayed proudly. Um, but no, that's, um, that's all the notes I have um, on the Interceptor Squadrons. Um, Sam, would you like to add anything about that? Oh, I think that was really good insight. Uh, if you guys want to see something about another state like Minnesota, we, we definitely Absolutely. be willing to do some of that too. Yeah. So. Cool. All right. Well, um, I believe we have some announcements and our kebab flyer of the day. Yeah, well, we'll start out with that. Um, so this week we got, or this, uh, this time we got the, uh, uh, Lockheed F-104 Starfighter uh, based out of or on display at uh, Valley City. Uh, here is an image of it. Uh, so originally it was uh, taken charge uh, in 1956. Uh, here's serial number 0296. And uh, here's an image of it. It was actually on display at NDSU. Uh, I don't know. I, yes, sir. I, I, do you uh, know what buildings those are by chance? Yes, that was actually in front of the engineering buildings um, over by, if you look in the bottom left corner, that is the um, Benson Bunker Fieldhouse, which is home to the um, ROTC and Air Force ROTC programs at NDSU. Um, I was actually talking to a professor of mine in my uh, intro to aviation class. Um, he said that this was here from... I believe early 1980 until 1996 when it was taken down, um, put on, well, not put on display, but given back to the air force. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. Right there. Um, 1997, that's when it was placed on. So yeah, it was taken down and pretty quickly, um, given to Valley city, um, to be put on display there. Um, I believe he said it was put up to honor, um, an NDSU grad that actually went on to work with the space program. I don't, I cannot say for certain that he was an astronaut and I doubt he was. Uh, but if I'm wrong, I, I apologize, but um, no, it was put up to honor him as well as uh, service members. Um, interestingly enough, if we scroll back up um, real quick, I, I just noticed this. The, uh, the tail number was 0926. And that is the same tail number as the uh, F-16 at the Fargo Air Museum. Oh. <laughs> so they have the, the same construction number. Obviously, the F-16 was not built in 1956. Right. But yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> fun little coincidence right there. And we'll be covering this one in specifics probably down the road. Uh, fortunately, winter's hitting. So yeah, 
uh, might be a little tough for now, but we'll, we'll try our darndest. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just looking at the, cause I, I've only seen it up close once. Um, it's lacking markings, unfortunately, and the uh, wingtip fuel pods um, that the F-104 is kind of famous for. Obviously it's famous for being a death trap to <laughs> German and many test pilots during its development. Um, I have read somewhere though, that if the pilot could, I believe, I don't know what specifics were involved with the 104 or the 104 that made it so deadly, but I remember reading somewhere that if the pilot could overcome those, it would fly amazingly. It was fantastic. Well, it's definitely meant for high speeds. If you look at mm-hmm. the, if you look at the airframe construction, Oh, absolutely. Those short wings aren't going to help you in a, in a slow speed uh, no. <laughs> configuration. I, I don't remember the landing or approach speed, but it's it's ridiculous as far oh. as I remember. But. Well, have you ever, if you've been able to see one up close, the leading edge on the wings is insanely sharp. Yeah, and that's it how uh, air, uh, supersonic air, airfoils are, are developed. Mm-hmm. They're, they're sharp edged um, as opposed to, you know, a more blunted uh leading edge such as something if you want to take like a scorpion for example or uh, we did some filming on a j3 last weekend and that that's something that you'll that you can really see the differences on so yeah definitely yeah. definitely a speed demon i believe yeah. <laughs> uh, the starfighters they're uh they're a group an aerobatic group i i think they do aerobatics but let me try to pull up a picture of it here but because there are still oh Pardon me, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh no, there are still 104s that are flying, are there? Yeah, that's yeah. uh, they're a civilian group. Uh, let me try to find it here, just pull up some images here. Uh, yeah, well, it's on my mind. Here it is. Uh, the Starfighters, yeah. uh, it's a two seat variant. I believe it's just one aircraft, one or two aircraft. I don't remember how many. Maybe it, oh, it's three. Okay, but yeah, they they have the the tip pods and everything like that. So it's pretty sweet looking. They and that, are, and you can get rides cool in them. I, I I was told you can get rides, so that'd be kind of oh gosh, <laughs> be a fast one. But that would be very fast. I don't know if I want to go up in one hundred four. I feel like. <laughs> that would be a little knowing the history and its nicknames that surround it. I don't know. I'd rather go up in a F four, you know, me an F one hundred one. Oh, sign me up for it. Um, all right, it's all yours. <laughs> uh, when they uh, reach out to us, I'll let you answer that call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I think next we got the first flight. Segment. Yes, yes. So, um. Yeah, uh, this day, October 22nd, 1955, uh, F-105 first flew. So the F-105 was a uh, fighter bomber, uh, most famous for uh, being pretty bad in Vietnam. Uh, high loss rates. I think there's over 900 lost in, mm-hmm. in the entire operation. Um, I don't you know, think you can... Oh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. You can't really call it a bad aircraft, but it's mm-hmm. get, it gets a yeah. bad rap, I should say. It's, well, the, it was forced to do these almost suicide missions mm-hmm. of wild weasel like where i for our listeners i assume that many of them know what wild weasel missions are but for those that don't um these f especially modified f-105s they were two-seaters they would go in before an advanced strike mission and they would basically draw all the sams to them mm-hmm. 
they would tell everyone or tell all the SAM crews or missiles, like, this is where I am, aim at me. And it would use their signatures to shoot anti, I don't know the specific type of missile, but these anti-SAM site missiles and destroy the sites. But if a missile had gotten fired before it was able to fire itself, it was very oftenly a very bad situation for the F-105 right. pilot. So the nickname Thud came from its name Thunder Chief and from many 105s hitting the ground. Yeah. In a interesting kind of dark joke from their crews. Yeah, and there's a good uh, docu-series on, or documentary on, on, on it called Thud Pilots. Uh, you can pull up. It's on Amazon Prime. Uh, if you're a Prime member, you should be able to watch it for free. This isn't a plug or anything, but it's a really good documentary. It is. Um, and I believe they also have one for the F-100 as well called Hunt yeah. Pilots. So, um, yeah. And then do you have anything more to add on that? Um. Specifically, uh, there are no 105s on display in North Dakota, unfortunately. Um, if you're ever in South Dakota, visit the uh, South Dakota Air and Space Museum. That's the one that we or I did the walk around video at. Um, also, if you're in Wisconsin, um, visit the Volk Field or Wisconsin Air National Guard Base Museum. They have uh, F-105 there on display, nicknamed Zandu. And interestingly enough, the South Dakota F-105 and the Wisconsin F-105 are construction sisters. So they were built right next to each other. I believe the Wisconsin one was built first and the um, South Dakota one was built right after it or vice versa. But they are I'd, like exact same year or fiscal year order and construction number just one removed. Um, other than that, though, um, I believe that that covers it for me. Okay. And yeah, just to wrap it up, we got a couple events uh, this weekend, the 23rd through the 25th uh, in Topeka. They'll be doing a uh, uh, DACA B29 will be there giving rides. Uh, if you can, if you can afford it and a college student like me can't, but, and the ride down to uh, Kansas, but, um, but yeah, that's going on. So it's good to see some of that going on, uh, some events going on Absolutely. around, you know, especially now. Uh, and also in Wisconsin, uh, just to celebrate Halloween in Juneau, Wisconsin, they're doing the sixth annual pumpkin drop. So you can watch some pumpkins get smashed as, as they fall about a thousand feet. So something pretty interesting there. Uh, I know uh, here, in, if you know where Milner, North Dakota is, uh, just a little bit uh, south, southeast of, or south, southwest of Fargo. Um, they do a, an annual flower drop usually for, with their fly-in, but I don't think they did it this year, but it's something, something I aspire to do. So, <laughs> you know, the kind of old school bomber pilot type thing. Of course. So. Candy bombers from Berlin. Yeah. There you go. So. All right. Well, uh, we hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, a lot of research went into it and we, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, please let us know what you guys want to hear next. Um, as much as we have plenty to talk about in North Dakota and Minnesota, we, we want to hear what you want to see and hear and listen to. So uh, shoot us an email um, or d probably DMing us on Instagram would probably be the, the best option for getting a hold of us. We check that pretty, pretty often. Um, but yeah, anything else? Oh, uh, we'll plug those links down in the description. And uh, um, if you guys have any, yeah, just, don't be afraid to let us know what you want to see and we'll, we'll throw it up there. 
and then uh we'll be doing some more filming too on some yeah. specifics oh, yes. uh that's uh, one of our big projects for this mm -hmm. winter is we'll we'll be able to do some of that especially around the air museum so we'll be yeah mm -hmm. Uh, kind of knocking out all those aircraft so yeah we do we have one uh walk around filmed right now just waiting to have it uploaded to youtube um but like sam was saying we do have a lot of aircraft to choose from especially at the museum so yeah without anything else sam you good yep i'm good all right well thank you guys so much for listening um we hope you have a great rest of your week and try and stay warm if you're in north dakota and minnesota it's it's a little brutal out there looking Oh, I wouldn't want to be outside. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. right. Thanks, guys. Yep. Have a good one.